Church, what do you think about when you see the word or read the word anointing? The word uh, anointing can conjure many things in your mind and make you think of things. It seems archaic. For me, when I read the word anointing or anoint, I think of my grandparents. It takes me back to a time uh, in their lives when we visited them. Uh, to be honest, I felt like I was going back in time to the Old Testament. We would come to their place and it seemed different from the rest of the world. Uh, they seemed like a prophet and prophetess of old. They seemed old-timey. I mean, they, they had something special about them. And I remember walking through the paths in the woods with my grandfather, and he had a staff with him. And the way I would perceive that, I just felt like at any moment he could call on God for a mighty miracle, and it would happen. And so looking back, I think of that, that they, there was something special about my grandparents. And it wasn't something different like we would make it today. What it really was is that my grandparents took their faith very serious. From the time you walked into the door, they would meet you at the front door. It was big hugs. You came in. But their life was about God. The Bible was real. It was alive. It was read. It was taught. It was studied. They prayed. They weren't bashful about praying. It was open. They prayed for us and they taught us the scriptures. They taught us to pray. Uh, they, they had a, a praying ministry in their home. They were doing house church long before house church was popular these days. They had a huge ministry to people that they ministered to. They were good stewards of God's money. They even taught us they would fast, biblical fast, and teach us to do the same. The thing was, my grandparents were anointed by God. They had an anointing on their life. You could perceive it. You could see it. You could feel it when you were in um, their presence. I, I joke about this a lot, but my grandparents would come to town and they would take us out to eat. Back then, out to eat was special for us. We went to McDonald's. Now, they were frugal. I told you they were good stewards of their money and they'd take us all out, pay for all of us to eat. And my grandfather would make us stand up and we would all join hands and he prayed. It wasn't this, Lord, bless the food real quick. People are watching. My grandfather called on God in the midst of McDonald's. <laughs> and people were looking, what is, is going on? They had this anointing upon their life. My grandmother at one time in her life, a, a tornado was coming through Fayetteville, North Carolina. And, and some people were hiding in the rooms in the home. She literally walked outside and rebuked the tornado. And the tornado jumped their house. I visited later. There was trees down all over the place, but their house was spared. This was the kind of person my grandmother was. Um, they prayed for healing, and God answered the prayer. When I was young, I had an, an issue, and they prayed for me, and God healed me. And they prayed for the family throughout their lives. But when I hear the word anointed or anointing, I think of my grandparents. And though that word seems old and foreign, I want you to know that it is a, a much a New Testament concept. It is not old timey. 
It is not just Old Testament, it is New Testament. And it's very much something that we can have today from God. The Apostle John tells us in his book, you have an anointing. If you've received the Holy Spirit, you have an anointing from God. So what I want to do today is I want to grab on to what is perceived as an ancient word and bring it back into the present so we can understand what it means to be anointed by God and that we can live in that anointing. So what does this word anoint or anointing mean? When you first hear the term anoint, you may think of oil, um, but we should also think of the hands that do the anointing. Um, it was the applying of the medicine. So the prophet would apply the oil or the medicine. It was not just the medicine. It was the person applying it, as God would anoint us as well. People were anointed with oil for healing. However, in other instances, it was a sign of God consecrating and dedicating someone for a purpose. This holy sacrament. Uh, they literally poured oil on people in a spiritual ceremony. Um, today, if someone poured oil on you, you would think it's gross. But it was something that was joyful. It was sacred and special and significant. Ultimately, it represented God's hands upon someone's life. God himself, the great anointer, filled his hands, if you can imagine it like this, with the essence of the Holy Spirit and moves him into your life thoroughly and more deep. He has applied the Holy Spirit and you have been anointed by God. I, I asked a friend, he said he, he's a DS on a district. And he said he's always looking for high capacity leaders. And I said, how would you define a high capacity leader? He said, someone who is anointed by God. You know, I thought he was going to give all these leadership qualities. And he just simply said, someone who is anointed by God. Now, how would you define that? How do we define that today? And I want to define it this way, that it is the presence and the power and the purpose of God in your life. If you are anointed by God, you have his presence that people know that you've been with God. Like the early disciples, they like he's they've been with Jesus. There's someone there's something special about them that you have the power of God working in your life. And that you're living on purpose with God. That He is fulfilling a purpose in and through your life. That has been my prayer since coming to Casper the first time. I really prayed that prayer uh, seriously. And I prayed, God, just I want your presence in my life. I want your hands upon my life. I want to be anointed by God. But the issue is, church, is that we can lose this anointing. There are those throughout Christian history, throughout the, the scriptures who had the anointing of God, but disobeyed God or lived in sin or walked away from God. They lost the anointing. So my message to God's people today is that we, we should seek to keep the anointing of God. That you seek God's anointing upon your life. So we're going to look back over a few verses this morning. Mary has read most of the scripture but we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 again. A summary as we're coming into this. Last week we got into the book of Judges. Remember the book of Joshua. There's the first five books of the Bible. 
Most, Moses wrote that. And then there's the time of Joshua. And he leads the people into the promised land. And there's many battles. And God is with them. When they disobey, God, they lose battles. But when, when they're obedient, they win the battles. They have taken the land. The book of Judges is a record of the failings of Israel. Though God gave them judges, people that would lead and defend them. But now there is this transition taking place and God raises up a man named Samuel, the, one of the last judges, even though his sons were judges as well. He becomes a prophet and the people want a king. And there's a problem with this because the people want a king because all the other nations had a king. You ever heard someone say we should do it like the other nations do it? They wanted a king and God wanted to be Israel's king. But God decides I'm going to give the people what they want. So he tells Samuel, go and get a king and we will anoint this one, the king of Israel. And then we enter into the time of the king. Well, the people wanted who? They wanted Saul. Why was it? Because Saul was tall. He, he stood above people. They wanted someone who looked great, even though God would tell us it's not what's on the inside, outside. It is what is on the inside that matters. But they anoint Saul, he fights many great battles. It is awesome times here. But then he disobeys God. God told him he's going to fight the Amalekites. God tells him to wipe out everyone, even the livestock. And Samuel comes to visit Saul and he says, I hear something. Why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? Why do I hear livestock? And Saul tells Samuel, well, we're going to sacrifice all these animals to God. He says, what are you doing? You're disobeying God. That obedience is better than sacrifice. So as we're getting in this today, are you telling yourself you're sacrificing to God or are you actually being obedient to God and what he tells you to do? So here we are. Now God has rejected King Saul. And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, meaning that he is from Bethlehem. They add the mite and the ites in there just to make it fun as you're reading. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he would kill me. Why would Saul kill the prophet of God? Because he was living in disobedience to God. And Saul will kill me. The Lord said to him, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you should do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, amen and amen, and came to Bethlehem. Then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. They've chosen David out of the many brothers of um, the family there. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. That's a key thing. I was reading through this and studying this, and, and God has given me the sermon. And I was reading it again today as we were reading it. It's like, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day and forward. That he kept moving in his life. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed. Now, the, I added 14 here. Mary didn't read this this morning in our scripture reading. I wanted you to see that the Spirit rushed on David as a young man. And then there's this transition. If you have a Bible, there's subheadings, and there's this gap between 13 and 14. Look what happens to Saul. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. 
the Spirit of God rushes on David, the Spirit of God departs from Saul, and then evil comes into Saul's life. Let's pray together this morning. God in heaven, we bless your holy name. Lord, we thank you that we can just sing to you and to learn about you. To sing of this great God, the same God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This great God of our grandparents and our parents, our God. You are our God. And today, Lord, we just simply ask that you give us eyes to see your kingdom. That you help us to see you in all your fullness. That you arouse this desire that there's no one else that we want or need but you. That we see the world tugging at us as just temptations to go into a life of death and paganism. And Lord, I pray that we just stand firm in the faith and what you have taught us, what's being passed down, that we fill our hearts with your truth. And Lord, that you anoint us fresh and new today. That you anoint us from heaven. That you pour out your spirit as you have in times of old. As you did my grandfather and grandmother. Lord, as you've done my family, Lord, we pray that you pour it out on our children and our grandchildren. That you pour out your spirit on the church today, Lord. That we receive the anointing of God. And that we live out in obedience to you. And bless your words as they go forward in Christ's name. Amen. Now, church, last week... Um, as we were dealing with the book of Judges, uh, a cycle of disobedience, I want you to see now that we as Christ followers are to live obedient to God. Now, a few months ago, I think it was the last week in April, I had a friend come into town, Dr. Doug Hopkins. Uh, I give him the title Doug, Dr. Doug Hopkins, because it's an earned doctorate. It's not one that they just kind of pass around and give people and they take it brilliant man of God, a few years younger than me, and we served in Raleigh together, uh, Raleigh First Church of the Nazarene, and then we served together on the Kentucky District. Uh, we've spent a lot of time with their family and traveling when they lived in Asheville in Kentucky, and just uh, awesome family, love them. His wife makes this eclair cake that is delicious. Like, it's really the reason we visited, but, but I don't tell them that. Um, but we, we love spending time with them. Now, he came to visit me and our family uh, for a few days. We hiked Casper Mountain. Uh, awesome time. He had spaghetti with antelope meat for the first time. And it's awesome seeing somebody come to Wyoming for the first time and seeing they see an antelope, and it's like so foreign, right? They're like, what is that? It's antelope. It's awesome. He's having a great time. We decide to go to Yellowstone. We have to go a long way around because some of the entrances are closed, spending time together. As we're going on this drive, uh, he just opens up his Kindle, and he says, I'm going to read some things to you. Now, in the past, he would do this as well. He would play sermons and read. You need to hear this. He recommends these books because he doesn't want anyone, even a pastor or friend, just to live this nominal Christian life. What is next? Uh, let's get deeper with God. Let's get into what he has to teach us and how we're to live. And he starts reading from this book. I have it listed here, The Anointing, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And it really describes how, you know, how Saul was anointed, but he lost the anointing. And how David would be the man of tomorrow, and he is to continue to have the anointing. But the point is, is that we could lose the anointing. And it encourages us to seek this fresh anointing of God. By the way, you need friends and family members in your life that share sermons with you, that tell you about Jesus, that challenge you to move forward in your faith. But this book, I was listening to him, and it was almost like I was in the book. 
Like I was hearing it from the guy that wrote the book. It was the Holy Spirit moving and I was convicted and I realized I don't want to become yesterday's man. I don't want to be like, you know how many times I've heard testimonies of something people used to do decades ago? I hear that on the, I don't want to get into that yet. That's the point. We're going to get into that. Um, but we want God to continue to move in our lives. Um, instead of becoming a has-been, become the person of God that He is using today and tomorrow. And that we are anointing others and teaching them to do the same. That we are to seek a fresh anointing of God daily. God wants you to have His anointing. And that I want to see God's people demonstrate the anointing of God in their life. That God is moving. That people know there's something different about you. I don't know what's going on with all the other churches in Casper. I know some good pastors here. I know some good churches. I don't know all of them. Um, but I could imagine. We'll get into this a little more later. I can, I can see in my mind. I've watched pastors who have lost the anointing of God. And I've watched churches. Lose the anointing of God. And church, let's never lose the power and the presence and the purpose of God in our lives. Amen? The first thing we want to get into, to, uh, into today is don't become yesterday's man or woman. A reminder, verse 1 again. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? He's yesterday's man now. And here's what we're doing. We, we still want yesterday's man. I used to listen to so-and-so pastor. They were so great. I know they had an affair five times, but God is still using them. No, God has rejected them. And we mourn over that. Whoa, I still want the past. We want the anointed men and women of God today that we are not to become a has-been. Now, last week we were sharing about how the, the ongoing sinfulness was taking place and, and how the people were uh, in idolatry in the book of Judges. Uh, they were perverted in the nation of Israel. After they had taken the land, they go through this cycle of sin, 335-year cycle. Then God raises up Samuel. Uh, to be a judge, but also to be a prophet in this transition from they've taken the land, they've settled the land, now it's time to set up the kingdom. And they've chosen Saul, like I explained earlier. They anointed him. He is the first king of Israel. It was exciting times. They had a king. They had soldiers. They had an army. And they're fighting off the enemies. But then Saul disobeys God. And you would think, well, you know, we can disobey. We just, you know, God is the God of forgiveness. We can just ask for forgiveness and everything's fine. And we've kind of adopted that. that by the way, that's pagan Christianity. Now, I'm a Christian. I continue to sin and just say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. We have a God who is forgiving, but we have a God that is making you holy and teaching you to obey Him. And we've made sinning into a light thing, haven't we? Well, I've just sinned like everyone else. And here it is. The king who represented Israel, that represented God, this holy people, disobeys God. He actually rejects God, but wants to continue in his gifting and his calling as the king of Israel. And he does this for years. The people still look at him as the king of Israel. And God has moved his spirit away from King Saul. Even after God rejected him. He continued as the king of Israel. 
And I believe this is the very thing that is happening in many cases in churches. We read this a few weeks ago. I'm going to read it here. It's not on the screen. Paul tells us this in Romans 11:29. For the gifts and the calling of God are without, they're irrevocable. And some of the old translations, without recompense. It just means they're irrevocable. And what that means is that God calls people. He keeps calling them. He gifts you. And if you start to live in sin, you can still have your gifts. You can still have God calling you. But what happens, and we've seen this in churches. We've seen this with pastors. We've seen this with ministries. They keep operating like everything is fine. And then finally you hear about somebody's affair because it got out. But guess what? They were already doing it a year or two before. And that affects the ministry. And sometimes these guys are preaching. They're, they're preaching the Word of God. People are still getting saved. But the Spirit of God has actually moved away from them. God calls us and He gives us. But He can still remove His anointing. He can remove His presence. He can remove His power. He can remove His purpose in your life. We've seen people in churches for years, gifted speakers, all of these people that begin to disobey God. They go on preaching and doing ministry, but they're not in tune with the Spirit. There's a pastor that was in South Carolina, Perry Noble, you may have heard the name, one of the fastest growing church in America a few years ago. It's, just, it's booming. He starts doing some radical weird things. People are questioning it. And he starts doing these leadership seminars. People, every time there's a church exploding and growing, everybody wants to take their church leaders to this church to find out how they're doing it without thinking, are they still being led of the Spirit? So a few years ago, we're in North Carolina, I want to say around 2016, I read where Perry Noble writes a, a blog post, and it says, did you get a lottery ticket? I did. And he goes into this long explanation of why he got a lottery ticket and why you should get a lottery ticket as well. And I remember sitting down reading that and thinking, this guy's drunk. This is a pastor of a church telling people to go buy lottery tickets. Guess what? Six months later, guess what happened? It was found out that he was getting drunk. They remove him from ministry. All the bad stuff happens. You know, what had happened is he started doing things in his, his own way. And the Spirit of God had departed, and he started teaching things that weren't even good. And a bad spirit had entered his life. And what does he start doing? He's getting drunk. This is something that goes on and on and on. If you reject God, church, he will reject you. You can become yesterday's man or woman. Years ago, when God called me into ministry, <clears throat> I was in an independent church. We've talked a lot about that. And then I returned to the Church of the Nazarene, and when I did, I started working with college students, and then the pastor asked if I would work with uh, teens as well. And there was a team that was over the youth ministry that used to be the same team that was over the youth ministry when I was a teenager. It was the same people, and I'd come back in from the outside in, and I began to see these were adults who were leading young people who were very much carnal. But because they love the teens, they love doing ministry, they continue to lead. And I watch, and I'm coming in, and I'm supposed to do ministry with them. And they acted like children. Like they didn't even know how to follow Jesus. And they griped about stupid things, and they were living in the flesh. One of them was causing division in the church. And I recognize they're not spiritual. This was an entire team that's leading a ministry, 
And me, who used to be the unbelieving teen that calls off, because they'll remind you, if you're part of a church, you grew up there, they'll always remind you, you were a horrible person. You know, they, the, the prophet is without honor in his own country kind of a thing. And I was like, no, 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 there's a problem here. And I, got, I was establishing a new team, and we had to remove the old team because they had lost the anointing of God. Raise your hand if you know who Samson is. Samson was one of the judges. Uh, the Spirit of God would rush upon him. He would defend the people, fight off the Philistines. He was a man of God. God had anointed him. But over time, he started breaking the rules God had called him to. He started doing things that God said were unclean and not right. He's sleeping around. And he wakes up one day and he says, I'm going to go out the way I've always gone out and fight off the Philistines when they have grabbed them to take them. And it says, this is one of the scariest things in all of Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord had left Samson and he didn't even know it. Because he began to live away from God and there came a time where God just removed his spirit. I'm for term limits in politics for that reason. There's somebody who, who seems passionate about what's right for the people. They get in into D.C. and the politics. And at first, they're like a shining star. You're like, yes. And over time, they become systemized, don't they? They start doing life like everyone else before long, scandal after scandal, voting for things they shouldn't vote for because they lost the anointing. Church, we have to guard our hearts and battle for our, our devotion time with Christ. Now, the simple answer is to stay close to God. To recognize when you're drifting. To recognize the voices in your life who pull you away from God. To recognize what you're being invited to. Uh, people used to invite me to, to things, uh, parties and all kinds of things after I really re recommitted my life to Christ. When Jessica and I are, are living for Jesus Christ, then the enemy comes and the temptation comes. But we have to fight to keep the anointing of God, to listen to His voice, not the voice of the world or the enemy or the temptations, to be obedient to Him. You know, we're, God has led me to, to preach a sermon series. I did this years ago, uh, Coexist. I thought it would fade over time, and it's still part of our culture. Um, we have syncretism in the church where we're trying to be Christian and pagan at the same time. And I plan on preaching a message as well on human sexuality. I've been praying and preparing for that because we're afraid to talk about those things. Uh, we became quiet and the wicked people ran wild and told our children these things. And so I called a friend here in town and I asked, how are you speaking to these issues? And they said, this is the first thing when somebody says, you know, I know I'm a guy, but I really think I'm a girl on the inside, or I'm a girl, I really think I'm a guy, or I'm this or that. This is the culture. We're, we're going to have to deal with, with this for decades. And we need to prepare ourselves. Now, when I speak to this, I want you to know that there's grace. We love people. The church actually loves people. The world doesn't love them. They say they love them. They want them to continue in their sin, and their life is destroyed. But I asked her, I said, so how are you dealing with this? She says, the first thing they say when somebody says, I'm struggling with this, I think that I'm that. She says, who told you that? Who told you that you're really a boy or a girl on the inside? Well, somebody at school. Who are they as an authority? And this is what is happening, is that we are listening to the voice of Satan. 
And Satan's kingdom is telling our kids that there's something else that God had designed them to be. God has made us in His image with value. And the enemy is moving in to tell young people the opposite. In your workplace, if you want to talk about sex, you can get kicked out. We have teachers that want to talk to children about their sexuality. That is grooming and it is evil. Now that's not in my notes, but I wanted to speak to it for a minute. That's coming at a later time. Be praying and be prepared. God left Saul and things got worse. I've watched people over the years. They reject God. And this, is, this is exactly what it looks like. They're in a boat. They're in the water. And God says, if you poke a hole in your boat, you're going to sink. Well, what do they do? They poke a hole in the boat. Water starts to come in. They're trying to get the water out. They call on God. And God says, I told you not to poke a hole in the boat. Well, God, stop the leak. No, I told you not to poke a hole. You need to plug the hole. God, this is your fault. You won't plug the hole. No, no, no. I told you not to poke a hole in the boat. And this is what has happened in our culture. We're poking a hole in the boat. We're blaming God, asking Him to fix it while we're sinking. And we keep poking more holes in the boat. That is what it is to reject God. God said, I have rejected Saul. He rejected me. It's an ongoing thing. He became yesterday's man. The second thing I want you to see today, church, is that we need to be today and tomorrow's man. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, that is David. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were dedicating more children and anointing them and the Holy Spirit just rushed upon them? Um, we, we've kind of given up our kids and kind of pushed them out into the world. But what if we took them back and started saying, we want God's anointing upon their life and we're praying for them. What if you did this? Each time we brought a kid forward or a kid is born in our church, you opened up your Bible and you wrote your, their name down in here and you committed to pray for that kid from here on out. We live in challenging times. And we want the anointing of God upon our people and our young people. So here it is. David is anointed the new king of Israel. He is used mightily of God for years, but it was not without his problems. Saul sought to kill David many times. And David was patient. He knew that he was anointed to be the king. He waited. He was patient. He had opportunities to kill Saul and never did. And it was 22 years before David officially became the king. And here's something else is that we're trying to rush our calling sometimes. We're trying to jump the shark and do things that maybe we're not ready for, that God has anointed you for. But it is time to, to soak up the word of God and, and prepare yourself for the calling upon your life. Sometimes God is calling. God called me as a teenager. I mean, I didn't really officially accept the call until I was around 27, 28 years old. But he was calling me at a young age. I sensed it. I remember praying at the altar. I remember hearing it in the sermon. God is preaching. People are preaching. I hear God's spirit that God was calling me to be a pastor. And it took time for that to be realized. But we want to be God's man and woman of today. So there's a big difference in what took place in Saul and David. Now, Saul sinned, rejected God. God rejected him. David did sin. But there's a difference. This is why the Holy Spirit was able to continually use David. He repented. I mean, there's this confession of David in Psalm 51. I only have a few verses here. This is intense. Uh, I've prayed with people before, and they're like, oh, you know, I kind of feel bad about some things. I want you to hear how real this prayer confession is. Create in me a clean heart, 
Why does it need to be clean, church? Because it's gotten, it's gotten filthy, it's, it's dirty, it's sinful. Clean, clean my heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because our spirit gets off, it gets wrong. Cast not me away from your presence. We need the presence of God, the power of God, and His purpose in our life. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. The Spirit left Saul. David said, I don't want that to happen to me. I have sinned against God, but I need to confess this to God. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That is a prayer we need to pray daily. Because I preach up here and I see y'all all the time. Y'all need to show some joy. Let's pray it. Lord, return the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Church, David did not want to lose what God had to offer. It was valuable. The presence of God, the anointing of God, the presence, the power, and the purpose of God. Church, don't lose the anointing. Pray for God to continually use you. These are things that I've had to deal with for years because I've watched people come and go Christians rise and fall pastors get lifted up and their their ministries are destroyed churches who were on fire and now are empty now and us as a church we have to continue to pray Lord return your spirit don't take your spirit and I have something I just want to share as we begin to close I started off talking about my grandparents. In the late 80s, my father was looking for a church um, that did more than a particular denomination that we were part of. He wanted to see more application. And we went from church to church. We're searching, and we came to the Church of the Nazarene, Raleigh First Church of the Nazarene in the late 80s. And this was a denomination. Our denomination is one of many denominations pursuing God, fulfilling the mission in the world. But in this denomination, as it began, it was just, just began in revival. Like people were just falling on their faces before God. The Spirit of God was moving. They didn't have any prestige. They didn't have money. It was just blue-collar people who wanted God in their life. They had what was called by Phineas Brzee, the founder of the Church of the Nazarene, the anointing of God. Then he was moving mightily in the Church of the Nazarene. It's still a new denomination that started in 1908, a little over 100 years. But at that time, as God was moving, there was people that would come into the church to actually mock it and make fun of it. There was a little term they called it, the noisy rings. Because they were shouting, they were excited about God moving, and people actually would come to disturb uh, the services, and they would get saved. They would sense the presence of God. They would be filled with the power of God. And they would say yes to the purpose of God in their life. Um, and this thing that uh, was special about them, this was their genius. It wasn't education. It wasn't status. It wasn't any of the things that we look up to today when people go to look for a church. They had something called the glory. That they would pray that the glory would come down, the anointing of God Phineas Brzee in his last days, he would go from church to church preaching, telling the people, keep the glory down. Keep the Holy Spirit moving. Ask for the anointing to continue in our lives. Keep the glory down. 
And church, when the glory comes down, when the Holy Spirit is allowed to take over, He bypasses education. He, he bypasses what we see as elite. He bypasses what we see as status quo. He bypasses people that didn't even want to be convicted, that get convicted and get saved. This is how God moves. Now, why would He pray or ask people to pray and seek God's will to keep the glory down. The reason is that the glory can leave. Phineas Brzee knew that if they ever quit seeking God's face, if they ever lost the glory, they would lose. If you look back in the Old Testament, there's many prophets. You got Isaiah, Jeremiah. There's a prophet in there, an awesome prophet named Ezekiel. God gives him a vision. And he's looking out and he sees the temple of God. Within the temple of God was the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies behind the curtain. They would go and make sacrifice and they would sprinkle the blood. There was the mercy seat, the place of atonement. It is where the holiness of God was, the Holy of Holies. It's where the glory of God was. But the people were rejecting God and Ezekiel sees this. He sees the glory move from the temple to the door. And then slowly moves out away from the temple. And he actually sees, it's one of the saddest moments in Scripture. He sees the glory of God leave the temple of God. And the reason Brzee is telling us to pray and seek God and keep the glory is because we can lose the glory. We can lose the anointing. There's whole denominations that have lost the anointing of God. There's churches that the glory... Could you imagine if you could see with spiritual eyes and look out, and if you watch the glory leave a church, you would not want to go to that church. If you saw a preacher still preaching and they were all singing, but you saw the glory left the preacher and the worship leaders or whoever, you would not want to be a part of that church. Could you imagine if we were outside and, and we saw the glory leave? How heartbreaking that would be. And here it is, church. We can either keep the glory or we can watch the glory leave. So as we close, we're going to sing and we're going to open the altars uh, because it's about us, it's about our children and our grandchildren. That maybe you need to come and ask for a fresh feeling. Or maybe you need to come and ask for God to anoint your life. Maybe some of you need to say, Lord, don't leave. I don't want to lose your anointing would stand with us and we're going to sing. The altars are open for you to come and to pray with us. Father in heaven, we thank you for your mighty hand. We thank you for your presence and your power and your purpose in our lives. Lord, I pray you continue to move mightily in our church. Lord, we pray that more people say yes to you, to be saved by you, to be made holy by you, to serve you. We pray that you raise up preachers and teachers, Lord, prophets those who serve in whatever you call them to do, because you are the holy God. Lord, let us be the parents we need to be to pass it on to our children. Let us keep teaching you. Let us not be afraid of this world. I pray that we move forward confidence, trusting in your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's give God glory. Amen. Amen. I often, when I do, all the salt gets in my eyes, guys. It's like burning. <laughs> um, praise the Lord. Amen. From this moment on, and maybe God spoke to you today, just say yes. And ask God to continue to 
anoint you, that you don't give up the anointing. Today, the message has simply been that you can lose the anointing. And that we want to continue to have God's power and presence and purpose in our life. So continue to pray and seek His anointing daily. Amen, church. Amen. Receive, you can receive the benediction. The Lord bless you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That He lifts His face to you. Casper for